Hey there, thoughtful listener. This is Josh Elledge, CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. I'm so excited to announce our new Thoughtful Entrepreneur High Ticket Sales Coaching Program, which you can try absolutely free. No credit card needed. Head to upmyinfluence.com slash free. We're also actively seeking guests for our daily commercial-free entrepreneurial inspiration podcast, the one you're listening to. If you know someone who is doing six to eight figures in business, send them our way. Just go to upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now let's get on with the show. With us right now, it's Sonia Lewis. Sonia, you are the CEO of Ascribe Educational Consulting, and you are an anti-racism impact strategist. Sonia, it's probably been a busy couple of years for you, I'm going to guess. It has been an extremely busy time, and, and I've been doing this work for over a decade. And the, the last couple of years, the first year, it was a tripling of the workload. And this past year, this current year, it has been a quadrupling of the workload. So yes, it's been extremely busy. Yeah. All right. Give us an overview of how you work, what you do, and the impact that you have in the world. Yeah. So Ascribe Educational Consulting essentially is an equity brokerage firm. And 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 we are we are likened to DEI in the sense that diversity, equity, and inclusion is important and in, in for any organization. I believe that all organizations, small and large, deserve a quality person to come in and help them strategically plan to recruit and retain, to structure policies that are equitable, to make sure that their team feels as though they are um, belonging and part of the equation, um, because all of those things impact the bottom line. And if we want to stay in business as business owners, we need to have strategic plans around developing and making sure that our, um, our systems are sustainable. And so in a long story shut, in a nutshell, um, we come in and we curate safe and brave space for conversations to be had about race. And in doing that, it allows for people who may have been marginalized in those spaces or overlooked or erased or maybe silenced because the culture and climate within that organization doesn't allow for um, input. It allows for those people to be included in the conversation. And so that's kind of what we do. We go in, we, we, um, we listen, we do a lot of listening. Um, and then we make sure that the plan going forward, a year to five years commitment from that organization. And then we talk about the things that aren't working and then we create, we help them create. It's a co-creation. It's not like, oh, Sonia's here and she has the answers for everything. Mm-hmm. We are using, making sure that your team is developing the outcomes that they desire. Yeah. Um, and so, Sonia, if we start to think about it, and, and again, most of the listeners of this program are going to be business owners, right? So we have the ability to influence change. And and, and I guess I'll, I'll kind of, um, you know, I can, I can speak for myself, right? I think everybody, every, nearly everybody <laughs> wants equity, right? Yeah. We, we want yeah. fairness. And, and, and sometimes I think that, you know, we, we think, you know, we, we do best practices, but my, my opinion or my view is that we all have blind spots. Absolutely. Can, can you kind of help us maybe fill in those blind spots? <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, like there are, and, and, and rightfully so and understandably so, right? Individuals who have made it, they, they've built businesses or they've worked their way up the chain of command within an organization and they feel like they've earned their spot, right? Mm. And what I try to challenge people to think about are the applicants that never get an opportunity. What I try to help people think about is we are coming coming from a perspective we are in a very resource rich country and our country has sold us on this notion that we're in a deficit and and I like to challenge that notion and and in challenging that notion in in trying to have conversations about how resource rich we are and that's talent resource rich that is you know thinking outside of the box and creating you know new systems rich we are a resource rich country so one I, I want people to think about things from a perspective that no one is coming to take what you have and that probably is one of the primary fears that people have is that if we give this to some one other group that it's going to take away from another group. And that's just not the case in most situations. And so equity for me, I think about my, um, my stepfather, my papa, who was, um, um, physically handicapped for 30 years. He had multiple sclerosis. We couldn't live in a home that did not have a ramp to get in, or we could, we didn't, it was no value to us to live in a two-story home because he would never be able to go on the second floor unless we installed an elevator. Right. Mm. And so when we're talking about equity, equity is about meeting the needs of those who are most marginalized, most disenfranchised and most vulnerable in an organization. And so oftentimes those people are, are Black and Indigenous um, Latinx. Oftentimes, those people are women. Oftentimes, they are queer and trans. Um, oftentimes, they come from a lower socioeconomic status, and it's about class. And so we want to make sure that access is equitable for all groups of individuals. You know, yes. Josh, you might say to yourself, well, I know someone who knows someone who can get me in the door. For the person who doesn't know someone who knows someone, it's even harder it's, for them to- disadvantage, make, yeah. Absolutely. So that's equity in a nutshell. I am, you know, for me, the equality is a bad word. Like, you know, don't don't have sit down and have a conversation with me about equality. It will never be an equal playing field. Yeah. So we have to look at things from a lens of equity. Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of culture, um, I, I want to challenge the notion that it is difficult because uh, I've heard this and maybe you can address this as well, um, is that uh, it's challenging or difficult to hire uh, in, in a, you know, a, a more of a diverse workforce, right? I, I've heard people say, you know, we really, really want more LGBTQ, but we just don't know how to recruit there. Yeah. My belief is that it starts with culture because I think that people are pretty bright. They can pick up from Absolutely. your communication, your very subtle. I explained to you my personal background on this beforehand. Yeah. Um, this is important to me. Yeah. That <laughs> like in, in, in anything in PR, right. Or, or sales or whatever, people know what's in your heart. You can't Absolutely. fake that anymore. You can't, um, you can't, if you have, um, an, an intention 
and, and let's say, you know, in a sales environment and your intention is I'm going to make this sale. Right. Trust me. We will pick up that message loud and clear loud before and you clear. even start talking. Yeah. If your culture is not right, it will be communicated in ways that you don't realize. It's it's so subtle. It's it's the you know how you decide. You know how you represent in in yeah. you know just something as benign as you know your bio on your website on yes. you know the content that goes in your social media. Those are the cues that sometimes we can consciously pick up on. I think oftentimes unconsciously something's not right here. And so someone who, you know, would be, maybe they've been unfairly treated or discriminated against by the system. Um, They will pick up on cues that we're not maybe aware of if you have privilege. Absolutely. If it's truly in your heart and you talk about it and you communicate that through your, you know, through your organization and your culture, I believe that that positive message of inclusion will seep out. It will just naturally happen as opposed to, I think your point, we were talking about, oh, well, you know, we're going to have the DEI police us to make sure that we're, it's like, no, 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 you, you. I'm sorry I'm talking so much, but I'm just this, you are, you know, like you're, um, anyway, so I used to not worry about this as much. I used to not, and I shared that with you privately, um, just because my background and I learned and my heart softened and I worked in, you know, I was in the military and when you're in the military, you really start to appreciate, um, you know, diversity because they become your brothers and sisters and, yeah. you know, people that you're linked up. To. Okay. Sonia, sorry. I, I, I just have to share all that. I'm going to let you yeah. take, I mean, it's going to be the Sonia Lewis show. Now I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> you're right, Josh. I mean, culture and climate are everything. It is, I, I tell this story. So seven-year-old Sonia um, was a little girl who was inquisitive and curious. And she went to school one day and, and the backstory is my mom was I I say she was quasi Black Panther-ish. My father was a Vietnam veteran and he was one of five officers to integrate the local police department where we live. And so imagine my dad going to work one day. He's a a darker skinned Black man and his superior officer telling him, I need you to go in and spy on um, the Black Panthers and bring back intel. And so as a, as a young girl, I just, I, I watched, I, I, you know, children have this innate ability to um, internalize the things that they are seeing because oftentimes adults tell them to be quiet about things that are happening. Right. And so I firmly believe that children should be seen and heard and that there are ways in which to teach children how to use decorum and couth about, you know, asking questions, but to be question questioners. And so I overheard my father, you know, say, you know, they're giving me a really bad time on the job and and I don't want to do this assignment. My mom was like, you know, don't do that assignment. Like, you know, I'm going to these meetings and it would be like you going and telling um, essentially what our family like life is like um, to people who are not family to us. And so um, he refused the assignment. He was written up for insubordination. Um, And it was little things like that. And he and the other four officers, there were five of them who were integrating this department um, this year. And each of them in less than two years were targeted and, and let go, not fired, 
but let go because they would not comply with certain things. And so that really jaded my father. And then flip ahead to seven-year-old Sonia, who overheard my dad come to my mom and tell her that his nephew had been, his nephew, by the way, was um, struggling with mental health crisis. He essentially was an, an adult. He was the best um, like cuddler. He was the best playmate. Um, but he was in his 30s and he had the, the mental capacity of probably a 10-year-old. And so he was one day locked himself out of the house, taking the trash out. The neighbor called the police um, and the police arrived and they shot him and killed him. And we didn't know how to process that, right? And this was back in the yeah. 70s. And, and, and so there were no cameras. There, were no, there was no you know, news crew to come out and, and sensationalize the trauma and pain that my aunt experienced during that time period. But it, it happened. And so I overheard that. And seven-year-old Sonia, in her mind, was learning at school about the Statue of Liberty and about, you know, freedom. And so I went to school one day and I refused to say the Pledge of Allegiance. And my teacher at the time was very like, the Pledge of Allegiance is the American way. And I said, but liberty and justice doesn't happen for people who look like me. And that's all that I had to lean on. And she didn't want to listen to, you know, what my response was. But because of who she was, she was the only teacher who was left from the, the start of that school. And so she had a, a sense of seniority. She was shaping the culture and climate of that school. She was, in my opinion, even the boss of the boss, the, the new principal that we had acquired that school year. And so her impact on everybody at that school the, she was a gatekeeper. So when new things came along, it went through her. Culture and climate within any organization is essential. You don't have to say certain things. Your mission and vision statement can be very beautiful and inclusive. But when a person is being served by your organization, it can be a very different experience. And so I help people like align those two things. Okay, you say that you want to serve this group of people. You say that all of your employees are imp important. How do we mesh those things and come to a place where one, we can look at things from a perspective of those who are the most marginalized, right? But two, how can we make some commitments? And I equate it to what I call the 13%. In this country, if we, if we can agree that racism negatively impacts a specific group of individuals, and I'm going to, for the sake of argument, say that that is and has historically been Black people, right? If we can agree that racism negatively impacts them, then how do we make sure that we are meeting the needs of the Black community without excluding other communities, right? That seems like a whole lot for a lot of folks to, <laughs> to try to put their, wrap their brains around, but it's not. And so there are 13% based on population, the Black community in this country. Try to reach a goal within your hiring practices at every level of 13%. I think that that's very attainable. And when you give yeah. leaders of organizations and, and, and um, CEOs and corporate executives those kind of hard numbers, they're like, oh, 13% is not a lot. Let's meet that 
And then let's set some strategic plans to increase that over the years. And so yeah. that's climate and culture. That's saying that we are going to, this is our goal and we're going to meet this goal. And I appreciate you um, and your candor and your, um, your just being sympathetic and empathetic to the needs of those who have been kind of erased in this country and not given a chance. And I, one last thing on that culture and climate, we have this saying as a, a, a community of Americans that you can treat, teach an old dog, dog new tricks. You can. So I believe any applicant who shows up at your doors, regardless if they have the skill set or not. And now I'm not saying that you can give anyone a scalpel and say, go and perform surgery, right? <laughs> but I am saying that you can train people to perform any job literally. And it's about yeah. what is your desire at the end of the day? Yeah. You know, I liked, I remember uh, it was Nate Boyer um, from a military standpoint, um, you know, I've done a lot um, of pro bono work um, for military business owners. Um, and, and, you know, and I liked how he explained it. He, he said, why give just a little bit of extra consideration for an underserved population? Yeah. It's because systemically there's a disadvantage. And so what it takes is enough people to you know, do a, just a little bit of overcorrection from wrongs yeah. of the past, because if we don't, those wrongs, the, the, the impact of those wrongs from the past don't have the capacity to, we, we don't, we never, we never correct where we're supposed to be. Right. So, um, you know, even someone that's like served in the military, I mean, at the very least, they put their life on hold for five years. So, right. hey, um, you know, military business owner, um, you know, let's, let's, let's at least see if we can help them out or whatever, so, or help them out. So, um, Sonia, um, I, I'd love some action items from this because I feel like we have an opportunity with this platform um, to inspire, you know, and I think we have just by this conversation, you know, that thought. And you know what? It does start from our culture. It starts from, you know, who do we have right now? And if there's maybe... Oh, gosh, is there a book? Is there a resource? Is there a yeah. video like where you go through or something like this where we can start to be thinking, particularly, you know, for our leaders out there yeah. that that truly can make an impact? I mean, everybody can in their Absolutely. workplace and, and their communities and so forth. But I think yeah. especially from, you know, a leadership perspective, which a lot of leaders listen to this program, you know, give us some give us a call to action here. What do we do? Absolutely. So if we're talking about books, I, I really, really recommend Unconscious, Unconscious Bias. Um, it is a, I mean, it is just tremendously opening to um, just ideas of how do we break down bias in the workplace? Um, I, I offer for folks to look at a series by Brene Brown. Brene Brown is fantabulous when it comes to helping people understand that this isn't about blame and shame and that we need to get to a place of vulnerability because vulnerability is only that that's where our growing pains happen. But if we don't get to a place where we can expose our own vulnerabilities, change will never happen because we're so comfortable with where we are. And so comforts have to be challenged in these moments. You know, a shameless plug for myself, my book, Monsters and Aliens, will drop in February. I'm so uberly excited <laughs> about it. Um, it tells the story of seven-year-old Sonia and Monsters for me, was this was my first introduction to what I saw as racism. And so Monsters, racism is the monster. And those fighting um, um, racism are the aliens. And so I consider myself an alien. And so hence the mm -hmm. book 
mm-hmm. title. Um, but it is a way of walking through that even when folks do everything right, they still have a target on their back and they have to worry about how they're going to thrive and survive in this country that is de- design- by design. And what I will also say is it's not about blame and shame. What our, our collective ancestors did to build this country need to be talked about more. And so on the spectrum of white and male, yes, there were folks back in the colonization period who set things up that would protect themselves for the longevity, right? And so those of us who have ancestors who unfortunately were indigenous to this land, they were marginalized and they experienced a lot of genocide. For those who were brought here to this country and enslaved, They built this country and they did it for free. And so if we talk about things in those broad sense that we are not responsible for what our ancestors did, but we are responsible for knowing how to use that information and doing better. And that's the charge that I implore people to think about is that you didn't do this atrocity, but you if you benefit from it, you need to help those who don't. Yeah, yeah. Sonia Lewis, your website is Ascribe success.com your new book monsters and aliens breaking now because this this will air in february so congratulations on that uh and uh again sonia when someone goes to your website um what would you recommend particularly if they're like wait a minute i mean uh, you know we've got about 30 employees can can we work with you um if if that's the case what would they do you know, you would just reach out to us. We have a contact form that's on there. We would have a an assessment call of what your needs are and just explore. This really is about talking through where you are now and where you want to go. And I believe that, you know, Kendi, um, Ibram Kendi says it best that it's not good enough to say I'm not racist. You have to actively be anti-racist. And sure. so that's where we are. And, and I like to help folks move the pendulum so that they can get there, make that, that you know, manifest for their organization, small or large. Every business, every organization, um, I don't care what industry you're in, you need an equity broker. And so approach it, approach equity from the standpoint of being anti-racist and you'll take care of gender, you'll take care of class, you'll take care of all the isms. Um, And so, yeah, be actively anti-racist. Awesome. Sonia Lewis, thank you so much. Ascribesuccess.com. Thank you, Sonia. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, we have an audience of over 120,000 that we would love to promote your story to. Please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. I'm also so excited to announce our new Thoughtful Entrepreneur High Ticket Sales Coaching Program, which you can try absolutely free. No credit card needed. Head to upmyinfluence.com slash free. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you do that, tag us with the hashtag upmyinfluence. 
Each month, we scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform, and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. What do you win? Well, we will promote you and retweet you and reshare you and your business to over 120,000 social media fans totally free. Can you also hook us up in your podcast player right now? Please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review, and we promise to read it all and take action. Thank you if you've done this already. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, please hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 to 20 minutes a day. My name's Josh Elledge. Let's connect on the socials. You'll find all the stuff we're doing at upmyinfluence.com. Thanks for listening, and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Thank you.